Which brought the appeal to her, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or the appeal to us, to her. Uh, the appeal... Of her to us. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a silver-tongued devil. <laughs> This is the Epic New Podcast. Two idiots and a list. Where you're going to get two idiots and a list. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios, your hosts, Nick Fasolo and Kirik McMillan. Hey, hey, Nick and Kirik here. Thanks for coming back to us. Appreciate you adjusting to our schedule. Uh, we welcome you to another episode of Two Idiots and a List. As always, I am here with my co-host, Nick Fasolo. Hey guys, uh, good to be back with you. It's been a while, it's been too long. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, a listener that picked us up in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. Stop by the Widow Piper's Tavern there, established in 1730. <laughs> Small little towns in America. Welcome, it. welcome. <laughs> yeah, I saw a few cities in Texas that I'd never heard of, and uh, we just got our first listen in Hong Kong yesterday. Pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Sending much love out to Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> well, today, and I'm not going to lie, this intimidated me a little bit. We're going to talk about Veronica Louise Ciccone, also known as Madonna. Yeah, Madonna is one of my, I would have to say, one of my all-time favorite artists. She's fucking awesome. And she's always, like, we, we talk a lot about Mount Rushmore of music, um, especially through the 80s. She's clearly on the forefront of Mount Rushmore. I would agree. For sure. I would agree. When thinking about her and thinking about doing this, I think the intimidation factor came where... She's a huge part of, uh, of the music scene, a big part of, of people's musical pasts. I think uh, we look at some of the other bands we've done, the Duran Durans and, and Hall and & Oates and Journey, and for some reason, Madonna struck me as someone that I needed to uh, take some extra time to work on and, and know more about and make sure that uh, we did her justice. So, Well, we, f- we fling around this, you know, greatest of all time, biggest in the world. This woman is truly an icon and, and, and in every sense of the word, not just for her music and what she did for, you know, the revivalism of d- disco or whatever it was, but pop culture fashion she meant so much to so many people she completely blew up a hole in the in the, the pop star continuum mm-hmm. because before pop stars were pretty much male oh sure and then since her pretty much all female yeah you had tina turner maybe before her although maybe. she was paired with ike so she wasn't mm-hmm. really doing a solo thing uh, at least to start madonna was on her own from the get-go uh, she's uh, a Midwestern girl out of, uh, I believe, northern Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved over to uh, New York to make a go at it. She had gotten a scholarship to University of Michigan for dance. Right. I don't believe she finished. Uh, 
Uh, moved to uh, New York. Ended up working at a uh, at a Dunkin' Donuts at some point to make some money. Got fired for squirting jam in someone's face. Which I got to imagine, if you work at a Dunkin' Donuts, you might want to do that on more occasions than not. <laughs> she clearly had an impact on the musical tastes and thoughts of uh, folks that, that kind of fall within the era that we've been talking about on the episodes to date. I believe we've gotten more requests from Madonna than we have any other artist. Yeah, for sure. And, and so going back to like her, how impactful she was to the culture... Um, I have a family member who is a, you know, a supreme fan of hers. I noticed, like, while we, like, 1984, like, you know, we would see each other intermittently, you know, family functions and birthdays and holidays and stuff like that every three months or so. And, like, in, in one of those transitions, she went from just as an average, everyday, you know, girl would wear whatever she was wearing to the very next time I saw her, she was all influenced by Madonna. Mm-hmm. Everything from the hair to her makeup, her wristbands, sure. her everything, everything. And so for me, it was like, wow, music and pop culture really can change somebody's outer appearance like that. Mm-hmm. And because it means so much to them and they identify so much with that artist, it's like it was it's mind-blowing. And I really there's not a lot there's not a lot of people running around, you know, with Michael Jackson's zipper jacket, right? From from Beat It or Thriller or whatever it was. Um, but, but like she changed like a lot in the pot, in just the, the, the regular culture. So. I think, I think you did see some, some effects of, of Michael Jackson. I remember in middle schools, you know, people having red coats and obviously not as, as done up as his was, but I completely agree. I saw a lot of people change to, uh, you know, to that Madonna sort of fashion, kind of like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where everybody dresses like Pat Benatar. <laughs> it's uh, you saw a little bit of that too with uh, with Madonna. She she had an impact. So and just a meteoric career from 1978 when she moved to New York City as a dancer. 14 years later, she op- you know she she establishes Maverick um, Entertainment Company, mm-hmm. and this is already after she has firmly established herself as an icon. Right. Like, I mean, like that's 14 years in in a very fast paced business. I mean, that's crazy. Oh yeah. Well, and and we've talked about the bad boys of music. You know, the dangerous artists which appeal to males. Mm-hmm. Morrison from the Doors, Lane Staley from Alice in Chains. That list just goes on and on and on. I think she filled that same role for women. I think, you know, that yeah. she she didn't give a damn about what mainstream media or the religious right thought about her artistry. You got her unfiltered and unedited. Yeah. Totally I, unvarnished. Yeah, and that that appealed to a lot of people and I think that she filled a niche that male artists certainly weren't doing for females well, back for sure. at that time. That's why I've always been a fan of hers, because she's just an unabashed, you know, she's a feminist, straight out in your face. She has a, a very singular vision of what she wanted to be. She wasn't going to be defined by anybody. Extremely skeptical of men. Right. With good, with, with with good, good reason. reason. Sure. And, like, her whole outward personal, you know, her outward public persona was like, this is me. This is what I'm going to do. If you don't like it, go fuck yourself. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and I think that you're right. It probably played, like, the, the women and the young ladies that were listening to her is like, Yes, I feel like that too. For fuck yourself, sure. Right? We can got we we can handle this, right? We got this. And she started that attitude pretty much off the bat. You know, her second album, like a virgin. The album cover is her in wedding lingerie. Mm-hmm. 
She has songs like Material Girl, where she's only interested in your wallet. She has Like a Virgin, which is, everybody knows that song. Uh, Dress You Up in My Love, I'm going to cover you in Velvet Kisses. Mm-hmm. Uh, on tour, she played li- uh, Live to Tell while wearing a crown of thorns and hanging on a cross. Mm-hmm. Like She's got a, a, a great, rich history of F.U. And speaking of which, she, she appeared on Letterman in 1994 and set the record for the most censored episode in talk show history because she drops 14 F-bonds in the course of the 10-minute segment or something like that. She beat out Cher. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's on YouTube. The uncensored version's on YouTube. It's pretty funny. Letterman's a consummate professional, but even he struggles to kind of try to rein her in. <laughs> Well, her first album, Madonna, is 1983, and she really felt like her producer really kind of fucked her image up. And he, she did not like the way that like he recorded the music and made her uh, sound the way she sounded. So she went back to, because she had, it was a minor hit, or not a minor hit, it was a breakthrough hit, uh, the album. But she went back to the recording, um, the, the label, and he said, I don't want this guy. I want to control everything. I want total artist control. And they were reluctant to give it to her because she's just a sophomore album. So they're like, well, let's set you up with a known producer. And enter in again, Niles Rogers. Mm-hmm. Here he comes, and he produces like a virgin. So once again, <laughs> Niles Rogers on the you know the, the the make a little room for him on on Mount Rushmore, and then they just took off from there. Yeah, yeah. Rogers, his name keeps coming up over and over and over again in our podcast because he has touched so many of these bands that came you know from this era. I found I liked her catalog more in the nineties. Uh, and beyond versus the stuff that we were bathed in when she was coming up. And, and maybe that's because we were deluged with it. She got a ton of airplay. Uh, I thought her voice got a little richer as she got older. Her earlier stuff sounded, I don't know, a little squeaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give her this. Her method of jumping from one style on an album to a totally different style on the next album is unique. Yeah. Uh, you don't see that a lot with, with other artists. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Beck. Uh, obviously, Beck came well after her, but if you look at Beck's catalog, he bounces from totally different style to totally different style, from album to album. And she does that, and, and it's I, I think it's a, a really appealing aspect of her catalog. Well, I, and I think that that makes her more of an artist rather than a performer. Because she is willing to take those 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 chances, those risks. She pairs up with the right people um, to get the, the album produced the way she wants to hear it, and it's been successful. Right. I mean, all the way through her catalog, and whether it's, it's probably an allegiance of millions of fans that will just bought season tickets for Madonna, no matter what. I'm I'm right. going. Right. You know, they own stock. Three hundred million sales worldwide. Richest female recording artist in history. I mean. 38 top 10 singles it's crazy you can't you cannot match you know her catalog i mean she's just incredible what she's done oddly the grammys weren't all that kind to her yeah because they're stuck up fuckers she (laughs) she was nominated for 27 grammys she won seven and that doesn't put her in the top 20 of female artists. I uh, disregard all that garbage. <laughs> Beyonce, Come on, Jethro Tull beat out Metallica for the heavy metal. Come on, please. <laughs> Get out of here. Beyonce holds that title with 79 nominations <laughs> and 28 wins. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, 
Let's, Let's jump get into, into it. Yeah. yeah. You want to kick us off? Sure. Absolutely. I like, I mean, I just like everything that she's uh, done throughout her career. Like, so, you know, as with any long recording artist history, you're going to have some albums in there, some tracks in there, are clunkers, but I mean, she's got a lot of, lot of really, really good stuff. So this is a hard list for me to make. Yeah. But my honorable mention goes all the way back to, um, to um, I think it might be her first release, Holiday. I just like it. It's poppy. It's bubbly. Uh, like you said before, it's squeaky. Like her voice is mm-hmm. squeaky. But I mean, that that puts you back into a, a simple time of you know that you're just starting to see this mega supersonic star come to you know fruition. It's like like that video is her. That that's her vision. Right. Yeah, it's really cool. The uh, the the list I had of songs that that were potentials is about thirty long. Mm-hmm. And I think of that 30, and my process includes simply taking into my list songs that I, that I recognize, not necessarily that I, that I love, but I would say off those first two or three albums, I think I've got 10 or 15. The amount of hits yeah. that came off of those albums were, were significant, clearly significant. Oh yeah, and and at this at the right time, right? So who are the other female performers at that time? Cindy Lauper, you mentioned Tina Turner, and just Madonna just comes on and just, just absorbs everybody. Oh yeah, yeah, and she clearly benefited from the MTV boon that oh, we've yeah. referenced uh, in other shows. And uh, you know, I I think that, and we'll talk a little bit about some of her videos later. I'm sure. And while we're at it, shout out to, because this probably podcast will probably come out close to or near or around, but you have to give it to MTV. Birthday, 40th birthday on uh, August 1st, August 1st, 1981 was their first video that they dropped. So happy <laughs> did, birthday, MTV. Did you, <laughs> you influenced me quite a bit. Did you have cake at home? Fuck off. <laughs> I'm trying to get the M and then the TV. Frosting bit is screwing me up. All right, what do you got for an honorable mention? <laughs> All right, my my honorable mention comes off of her 1994 album, and the song is "Secret." There's a contrasting pattern during the choruses where the bass notes descend a musical scale while the strings kind of run up it, and that contrary sort of motion adds a, a cool texture to this song. It starts with this acoustic guitar and vocals and then kicks into a groove that's different than some of the other club mixes she'd put out on her previous album, uh, which was Erotic or erotica uh, and this song kind of has some combined elements of R&B and pop with the uh, drums kind of laying down this funk undertone uh, I dig this tune that's cool you mentioned erotica I can't I can't get the image out of my mind with the Saturday Night Live that they did with uh, when she was the, the host 
and Wayne and Garth had a, a dream sequence where they were in the erotica video. <laughs> I haven't seen that. That guy's package is huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got a she's got a gift for fitting lyrics uh, that she wants in a song without sounding like she's grinding them out. You know, sometimes pop songs can sound very much like kids' poetry. I, I noticed it in this song, but I noticed it in, in a number of others too. Like she'll she'll kind of be singing a line, and she'll get into the next line, and she'll hold on to it just a bit yeah. in, in mid sentence, and then let the rest of it go slightly f- uh, in a slightly faster burst that allows the the poetry to fit the meter. But it doesn't. It's not a metronomic reading of poetry. It's uh, it's great. And then she'll sometimes end the you know end what feels like the end of the line on a word that rhymed with the previous line, but actually add another couple words after that. I don't know. I uh, I like it. Yeah, well, that's. I think that's also like her not getting fucked with producers anymore. Like a producer would probably fix that or try to fix that with another right. artist. Right. Like, let's let's make this a little easier to understand for the ears. Yeah. And if her producer did say that or did not, she would be like, "No, this is the way it's going to be." Yeah. This, and, and this this is what is in my head, and that's what's going on the track, and I like that. that yeah. That's you know, it works out more cases than than than, than not, especially with the with art with um, you know an artist like Madonna. If you look at her writing credits and what she did, a lot of this was collaborative. Hmm. She she works with all sorts of different people, from rappers to that's the uh, thing about her. She's always working with somebody different. It's not like you know, it, it's not a it's not a like a like a knock on her that she you know she shares writing credits or anything. Oh, like I that agree at all. I agree. It's not like you know, like Bill Bob Dylan is writing his own music for the last seven years, and like Bob Dylan's song is like eh, there's a varying degree, but they're all kind of the sure. same. Like she's always searching for something different and something new, um, which brings me to like my number five on the list, like. You know, my number five on the list is music from from um, the late '90s. I want to say it was like early, like like nine, maybe '98. Uh huh. And that is such a different sounding song for its age. And here it is. It's Madonna showing the kids like how it's done. Like, don't get stuck in a rut just because you're Blink-182. You don't have to sound like their first album. Just continue to like, you know, just branch out and do some some different shit. And music is a great example of that. Yeah, I really like that song. That was one that, that I wrestled with in terms of, of putting into my own top five. Uh, I think that the... The beat on that song is really groovy. Mm-hmm. Um, she also drops these like kind of Daft Punk sounding vocals in, yeah. in, in little pieces throughout it that that work really nicely. Yeah, another track off that album, "Don't Tell Me." That's another fantastic yes. track. Yeah, you know, that's the again, that's that same kind of techno beats that she's working with and and uh, dropping in her own vocals. It's great. That's, she's really fantastic. Right. 
All right, that brings me to my number five, and I'm going into the 80s for this one, uh, 1986, off of the album True Blue. I have Open Your Heart. Never seen the video. <laughs> Damn it. How, how's that fucking possible? It's not possible. Did TV break in like 1981? <laughs> Fuck. Now my parents used to kick me out of the house and say, go play outside. Even So did mine. We would sneak back in. <laughs> even when I was in high school. <laughs> You'd see Madonna in high heels and fishnets doing a peep show. <laughs> uh, Open Your Heart's a quintessential 80s song, right? Very simple. It's pretty short. Just under four minutes. Uh, the song was originally written by, uh, and I, I don't have the name of the songwriter here, and I, I didn't take it down because it was unrecognizable. She didn't write it. It was written by somebody else as a rock song for Cyndi Lauper. And Madonna had a chance to review it and uh, turn it into a poppy kind of dance song instead. I think this song appeals to me it's still in that 80s era, but she's a little less squeakier than her mm-hmm. initial couple of albums uh, from that same decade. And she's starting to transform. She has a little more smoke in her voice. Yeah. And she's a married woman at this time. True Blue was... Uh, That's right. Sean Penn, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right? True Blue was like kind of her love letter to Sean Penn at the time. Um, and a lot of good music comes off of that one. I'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the keys running high in the backgrounds during the verses here works well for me. One thing that I thought was odd was the lyric, you know, open your heart to me, I hold the lock, and you hold the key. Does that make sense? Shouldn't well, shouldn't she hold the key and he hold the lock? I mean... No, man, when you think about it... It's on his heart. I think you're thinking of it the wrong way. Think of it about it as Madonna would think of it. She has the lock. <laughs> the key goes in the lock. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Y'all can't see the physical <laughs> demonstration that came with that, and that's probably just as good. <laughs> this, this is why we should have had a woman on the podcast with us today. <laughs> I'm just throwing shit out there. All right. What do you have for number four? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, number four is a uh, – is um, she. so she got into movies a lot, right? Early, too. Desperately Seeking Susan's fantastic movie. Panned by the critics, but what do they know? But then, you know, she would go into, uh, you know, other movies and writing movie soundtracks. And so she wrote a, 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 a song for the soundtrack of a movie called With Honors, which is a horrible movie. I think it's Brent, Brendan Fraser and Joe Pesci. Yeah, and some shit like I remember that. seeing the some... guy in Harvard. <laughs> right? <laughs> like is that the story? I think so. I think. And I could have that completely wrong. I just... I'm remembering the CD case because my wife had it in, in college. And so, please. But her song, I'll Remember, is a great song. Say goodbye, not knowing how to cry. You taught me that. And I'll remember the strength that you gave me. Now that I'm standing on my own, I'll remember. 
And again, going back to like kind of like almost like a lounge singer um, kind of vibe to it. And it's a slower, it's not a dance song. And I like it. I like that's more of where I kind of gravitate towards her music is not so much the dance music, although it's great, but that, that type of stuff. I am not picturing that song in my head. I'll, I'm, I'm sure when I listen to it, it'll ring a bell. It got a lot of radio play. Okay. Uh, early in like early middle 90s i would say yeah 95 i want to say yeah. well, well we'll put a sample in here and then i'll i'll remember those show all right that brings me to my number four and we've actually already mentioned it it's erotica <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> Not just the song, but the the album. So when when this pod explodes and we've moved into our Central Park high rise condos, mm-hmm. we're gonna have a party with all the artists we've reviewed, and this album will be playing in the background while those folks <laughs> gobble gobble up martinis and cocaine. Even the dead ones will be there. Shame on you. <laughs> on display like Chairman Mao in Beijing. <laughs> Uh, this song was released. It's uh, got a groovy. It's, it does have that groove. What you're what you're explaining? That's the only song that's appropriate. <laughs> this song was released uh, along with her coffee table book, which were the two first the first two projects released by her new production company. The song's got a great sort of club beat driving throughout the song, and I'm club music doesn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, attract me, but this one, as I listened to it, I remembered when it came out, and I remembered thinking, that's got kind of a cool groove on it. And, you know, she's now pretty much completely out of the bubblegum and into the more serious sounding uh, adult vibe. Yeah. Best selling coffee table book ever. That makes sense. Sex. Yeah. I remember when, when somebody at Northern had it, and it was like, I was like, this, it was bound in steel. <laughs> yeah, it was a big book. Well, it was a coffee table book. book. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I listened to it again for this, as it started, the way the rhythm plays out, I got an immediate touchback to Enigma's song, The Principles of Lust, with its Gregorian chants behind the rhythms. That it, the, remember the Gregorian chants? Um, <laughs> yeah. There was an album of it, and it, it was like for a hot minute, it was like popular. Yeah. Well, that Enigma al- album debuted two years before Erotica did, and it went quadruple platinum. So, yeah. <laughs> Come on, what's going on? That's it's like the middle nineties. It's a complete loss. All right, what you got for well, number three? Me, just before we move on, fucking Madonna. Here was she. 
Best-selling coffee table of all time, 1.5 million uh, editions sold. Best-selling children's picture book. Which is a shitload for a coffee table, bro. Right? Yeah. I mean, what's what's number two? 500,000? I, 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 would, I would hope it's Kramer's. Uh, <laughs> 12 multi-platin albums, 9 number one albums, 50 number one dance tracks. 50. 50. Fucking hell. 12 number ones. I mean, she's up there in like Barbara Streisand, uh, you know, as far as her multi-platinum albums is concerned. It's crazy. It's yep. crazy how much she's, she's, uh, she's accomplished. You know, we talked a little bit about her performance or how the Grammys recognized her. Let's put it that way. Right. Looking at that, those numbers and how she really didn't score very highly as, as far as Grammy wins go, based on Billboard's top songs and top album data, she is number five all time, mm-hmm. only behind Mariah Carey, who beat her because of that stupid Christmas yeah, album. That doesn't count. And then the Beatles, the Stones, and Elton John are, are one through three. So yeah. she's in some really rare air. Well, it's her rare air. You know what I mean? It's sure. like she belongs there, right? She's the most tweeted about um, subject uh, ever, all, all time. The halftime Super Bowl of 2012. Still, to this day. Wow. 11 years later. It's the most tweeted about event ever. It's like something like 10,000 tweets a second. You know. And uh, who, who could forget the 2003 MTV Music Awards? Where she kicks Britney. <laughs> well, that's right. Remember? Yeah, that's absolutely. <laughs> All right. What you got for number three? Uh, is it number three or is it our show? No, number nope. three? Number, number three. three. Okay, very good. All right. Um, Into the Groove. Love this. I just said I don't like their dance. I didn't say I like their dance tracks. Like, this is a great song, though. I love this song. I don't know that song. I don't have that on my list. How do you not have this on your list? Get Into the Groove. It's a great like, dance sing. <laughs> dance, dance singing. Sing along dance song. No, it's not. It's just... <laughs> I like it. I'm not going to go into why I like it. I like to cut a rug to it. Ooh. <laughs> when I hear it, look out. Folks, the first thing we're going to do when this episode is done recording is turn out the lights and cut it up. We're going to do that. And, we're, and the Into the Groove is going to send us. The Circle Avenue Studios are going to come alive with sweat and dancing. <laughs> If you're lucky, we'll record uh, some video. Oh, my God. Give everybody intestinal flu first. (laughs) All right. My number three uh, comes from uh, her 1998 album, Ray of Light, and it is Ray of Light. Mm -hmm. I have that on my list, too. This is a really cool tune. There's just a sound of this that that I like. I, I you know the intro is this kind of '90s. It's a guitar that has this that gives it this '90s alternative vibe, and then it kicks it into kind of a techno trance beat. 
she's singing her way, like she's singing way up high in her register. And the guy that co-wrote this with her intentionally wrote the chorus vocals like a fractional step higher than what her normal range is in order to get a slight edge on her voice, which apparently she was kind of irritated with while they were recording. But she is really high in this. She, that's, she's way up there. Yeah. She had just had a baby recently before recording this. It seemed like it kind of softened her sound a little from some of the previous records. It was uh, not quite so edgy techno the way that the erotica album was. Yeah, well, I think that you get to see that, you know, she's coming, you know, from the 80s and 86. It's like, you know, if you take a look at her, her albums, like, she's a young woman on the make, and then she's getting married, and True Blue happens, and that's a different, softer kind of album. Um, and then she has this whole Like a Prayers, you know, um, I'm sure we'll get into it in a little yep. bit. And then Erotica, which is really like, oh, you, you thought like a prayer was something? Take a look at this. And then, you know, she has children, settles down. Right. She's, she's just softening. You get to see this whole arc of this artist's life, you know, right before us. And, and, and that's the thing. All Every single album, there's something worthwhile on every single album. And, you know, that's why she is who she is. Right. There was uh, some comparisons out there I saw to calling this kind of a psychedelic song. And I'm not sure that's a bad description. No. Well, and I'll talk to the rest of the Americans that know what I'm talking about when I reference music videos. (laughs) Um, The video for Ray of Light was also kind of groundbreaking because it was her in a static shot. And the background is all this, you know, very high speed motion behind her, like traveling, right? Because that's like the, the, the song has that, that as a theme. It was, to me, I was mesmerized and I was still, you know, I was a young adult at that time. I was like, man, she's still got it. She really knows how to put together a video, you know? Yeah, the song was, it's actually an adaptation of a 1971 folk song called Seferin by Curtis Muldoon which doesn't really sound all that much like Ray of Light. She, she really transformed it. Mm-hmm. And I'll listen to it again. When I listened to it uh, earlier, I didn't feel like there was a great clip I could put in there. But if I, uh, if, if I can, I will. All right. That brings us to our fantasy concert lineup. All right. Who are you going to see Madonna with? Do you want me to go first? Sure. All right. So I'm going to go all... like. So she was obviously influenced by... You know, Chrissy Hind and Debbie Harry, um, especially being in New York. and But she meant so much to all of the, you know, the women performance that were to follow her. I thought it would be a nice thing to kind of do a retro of that. So uh, we're going to start off with Billie Eilish. Okay. Duh. Have you seen that HBO documentary on Billie Eilish's life? Not yet. Uh, her rise to stardom? Yeah. S- stunning. Stunning. I'll check it out. Uh, and I'm, of course, I'm not in her demo, so I really, I, I, I've heard a couple of her songs, and then I listen to her songs and see her perform, I'm like, wow, there's a reason why she's, you know, had this meteoric rise. And, you know, her brother, was it Phineas or whatever his brother's name is? But anyhow, the, the two of them collaborated on some really great, great stuff. So I'd like to see Billie Eilish. And then we're going to go backwards a little bit in time. I want to see Britney Spears. Mm. 
Any particular song? Uh, I want the whole the whole catalog. catalog. Oh right. yeah, Britney Spears is like you know it's Madonna. Like yeah, that was that's fine. That was the reason why they were on the same stage together in MTV in 2003. Sure, uh, and then bring on Madonna for you know the Queen to take her throne. Sure, sure. No, I like that. You know, when, as I looked at this, I thought there was a few different ways you could slice this. You could match her with other female artists that have a similar gravitas. People like Lady Gaga, oh, Christina yeah. Aguilera, even Shakira, or you know, Beyonce. Beyonce, sure. absolutely. Or you could kind of try to connect her with the various eras of her albums as she shifts from style to style with uh, an artist that's playing a similar vibe to what she's playing in that era. All right. But I think for me to really hit the Valhalla of concerts with Madonna, I'd want to see her with Michael Jackson. And Prince. Mm, well, yeah. And that would be one expensive fucking concert. <laughs> Jeez, imagine the fucking security around that. <laughs> yeah, right. Bringing those three guys, three three people, three artists in. Oh yeah. my god! Ten grand for nosebleed seats. <laughs> that's that's a oh my god. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's a hell of a show, though, right? That's all of Mount Rushmore, pretty much, right? And I don't want them for forty-five minutes each, like at a music festival. No. I, that's a give me six hours. This is three hours each. There you go. And Prince, you can fill out. You know, he he's he's good for a good six hour set himself. Right, and then he would play while Madonna and Mike. He'd yeah. jump on stage with them. Oh, he'd just be on the backstage doing his own thing. <laughs> All right, what you got for number two? All right, so number two is um, another one of his uh, like ballads. Uh, it's um, Crazy for You off of the Vision Quest soundtrack. Made, I, I'm pretty sure it didn't make any album until her um, Immaculate Collection, which also, by the way, 31 million best-selling best of ever. Right. 31 million yeah. copies. Yeah. Um, so Crazy For You is, um, I love that song. It's great. It's a classic Madonna song. Mm-hmm. It really is. It, it kind of encompasses that when she wanted to go to a ballad, that's exactly what you would get yeah and, and it worked and the video for this was actually intercut um footage from the movie and it was shot back in 84 so before she i think it was even shot before um like a virgin her mtv music award um performance in october of that year that was before this so this is where you get like that video is where you get madonna as like you know almost like a borderline madonna and it's a great it's a great video it's a great song it's a whole thing Given that you've now referenced Vision Quest 
twice in this show. I feel the need to see it. Great movie. <laughs> All right. My number two, I wrestled with, with this being at number one, and then my number one overtook it. But this one was darn close. Uh, it's another song from the 80s, 1989. It's from the Like a Prayer album. And the song is Express Yourself. Since you're listening to this pod, you know that I'm not all that well-versed in music videos, but I remember this one with her crawling around like a cat. Uh, Yowza. (laughs) And that's testament to how she penetrated the market. I mean, she got people to see her videos who didn't even have access to MTV. Spent $5 million on that video alone. The third most expensive video ever to this day. Mm -hmm. In fact, Madonna holds three of the top four most expensive videos. Uh, the highest was Michael Jackson's Scream at $7 million. That's surprising to me. Michael Jackson's threw so much money into his videos, though. But anyhow. Yeah, and I wonder if Thriller was considered like a short film or something, yeah, because really. I've got to believe that Thriller cost more than anything else did. But The groove of this song is great. I really, really enjoy it. But what I really dig from this song is the message. You know, it's about standing up for who you are, and holding some self-respect. And I, I, I have to believe that that message resonates with anyone getting the short end of the stick. Yeah, that's what I've always appreciated about Madonna. Like her themes of her songs, you know, they're all over the place. But the, the one thing about her and her career and her public persona was like, don't take shit off of anybody and don't let anybody tell you, like push you off your mark. Like that, that, I think that's such an empowering message for, for like you said, for anybody, but especially for the young women mm-hmm. um, who are listening to her, in, you know, you know, with with fervor. And, and sure. I think this, and it's never changed. She's always told everybody to eat shit, and if you don't like it, you know, yeah, move on. Yeah, it's great. And you know what? Like like when Pepsi fucking canceled her right. uh, from the, for the Like a Prayer video. Right, so right. I don't give a shit. I'll go, go ahead and sell 17 million copies of that song. Oh, thanks, Pepsi. It rocketed her to even greater stardom. Exactly. Okay, that brings us to our number ones. What do you have at number one? This has always been my number one. I've always loved this song. I still love this song to this day. I play it probably three times a week almost. It is from another soundtrack of a little-known movie called At Close Range, which I'm happy to be a big fan of. Sean Penn. Chris Penn is also in it, and Christopher Walken plays a great role in it as well. The entire film is basically has this song running underneath it in some form or another, and it's uh, Live to Tell. And it's a long song. It's it, it, it's it's just kind of meandering song, but I think that her voice sounds fantastic. Um, I think that it's it's paired well with with the movie and you know with the message of 
uh, kind of betrayal and 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 uh, and uh, allegiance and stuff like that. It's really great. I love it. I like this song too. Uh, when I was doing the research for for this, <laughs> it earwormed me, but good. Oh really? And so I'm I'm I come out of uh, out of our back office, and and my wife is in the kitchen. And I start singing the one of the verses, and I about two hours later, I hear her coming down the stairs singing it. <laughs> There's nothing more satisfying than dropping an earworm on somebody else. <laughs> now I, I like that song a lot. It's a it's a great tune. All right, my number one. We've already referenced it, and that song is like a prayer. This is off of her 1989 album, Like a Prayer. Pepsi had, as we talked about, contracted her to endorse their products, and she debuted the Like a Prayer video in one of their commercials, in which some segments of, uh, of the video included things like cross-burning and her having sex with a saint. Mm-hmm. The Vatican condemned the video, and there was a call for boycotts on Pepsi products, so Pepsi canceled their contract with her. After that, Like a Prayer shot up the charts in multiple countries. Nothing sells like controversy, and, and Madonna was able to capitalize on yeah. it. Yeah, I, I got a couple of things I'd like to condemn the Catholic Church for. <laughs> yeah, Fuck those guys. <laughs> I, fucking, I, uh, the gall, the unmitigated gall. I agree. <laughs> I'm 100% with you on that. Uh, the backing vocals throughout this song are great, and mm-hmm. once she gets towards the later portion of the song, she brings in uh, gospel singers, and it really fills it out. And this is one of the few songs for her where backing musicians are allowed to shine. Yeah, uh, she really most of her songs highlight her and her vocal skills and mm-hmm. her writing. You don't really hear the musicians that are around her really stand out and this was one where she is completely out of the vocal track and it's just a gospel choir singing our wives saw madonna in 2019 at i believe the chicago theater Mm -hmm. apparently she trotted a full gospel choir on stage to sing behind her which i think would have been amazing to see that's my favorite part of this song i like the song i love the message the video was fantastic my favorite part is the gospel part of it It is really powerful it's great The song opens with a really quick, heavy rock guitar riff, which was actually recorded by Prince. Life is a 
I did not know that. It adds a kind of unique element. You know, it's just a, a really quick riff. It's got to be pretty sweet, you know, to be Prince and just drop a few notes like that on a major song. It's uncredited. He didn't get paid. Mm-hmm. He, 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 everyone knows it's him. Well, I shouldn't say everyone knows it's him. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know until I researched this. So the, the industry knows it's him, and now you do too. Well, he did that a lot too, right? Yeah. He was very yeah. generous with his yep. time and his music too. Yeah. Song's been covered multiple times, and I'll name just a couple here that are kind of worthwhile. Kelly Clarkson covered this song, and Come with on. her pipes, she uh, she did a pretty good job. I'm a fan of Kevin, Kevin, Kelly Clarkson, Kevin Clarkson, <laughs> her, her unknown brother. I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> and the cast of Glee covered it in one of their episodes. And this is a total shout out to my daughter, Ava. All right, that brings us to our most hated. What you got? I mean, I had to dig a little, but then I was reminded of the song Who's That Girl? How much it was just it was on MTV all the time and that was that 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 refrain who's that girl just like sticks in your brain I just I fucking hated it I couldn't stand it <laughs> that and Vogue I mean like I've had enough of Vogue right that got badly overplayed saturated yeah please okay <laughs> I, I get it it's great beauty's where you find it just leave it away from me I just I'm done with Vogue too with those two <laughs> I, when I when I thought about this, this song was kind of the first one to pop into my head, and I was in a similar boat. I didn't really know whether this was. It wasn't like um, "Stupid Journey," <laughs> kind of open arms. Thank you. It was, you know, it, I, I hit it, and then I went through a catalog, and I kind of came back to it. This used to be my playground. I think this song is hokey. It opens with <laughs> hokey keys and this kind of soft rock sound. It was in the soundtrack for League of Their Own, which I really liked as a movie, but it's kind of a downer of a song to end on. And I don't know, it's just not terribly well written. There's no real character to it. And Madonna's got a lot of character in her music. Yeah, could have been a throwaway. I don't know. But looking back at it, just look at look at all these these things that made it on the soundtracks. Like that Who's That Girl? That's from Who's That Girl? Yeah. Dick Tracy. Yeah. Oof. Boy, Al Pacino and Dick Tracy. That's a tough, that's a tough, <laughs> tough sell. That's right when he was starting to go off the deep end. <laughs> All right, let's move on. 
I was your coolest four seconds. I have <laughs> before you get. I have right here intro music to justify my love. awesome you want you what's your like for your erotica stuff but it's like the smoky like uh, keys going on that's that's where it does snl thing is well go ahead you got any more yeah um the the chorus from material girl That's a great chorus, and it's a great like. Uh, they did something with her voice there, and I think they doubled and tripled it. But it's 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 a great chorus, and then it's got a you know the the the, the man underneath you know the yep. being it's yeah. just, it works like an instrument. It's with, great, and I can't remember if it's a guitar or keyboards that's playing that repeating riff mm-hmm. afterwards. But but I, I agree, that's yeah. cool. And that Material Girl video is astonishing. It is fucking awesome. The whole look of it, everything about it. From the very opening where she's in the car getting pushed around by her boyfriend slash manager. Not pushed around, but just being talked down to. And then she's just, and then the whole message of Material Girl comes out. It's great. It's fucking great. Yeah. And that is her vision. That is, you know, that was all put out by her, storyboarded by her. It's, it's great. Sure. I have the, uh, the opening to a song that I don't necessarily really care for, but I really like the opening to Papa Don't Preach. Begins with uh, stringed instruments, and she just rolls them kind of seamlessly into these keys that have a duplicate sound. There's a transition of of stringed instruments to keyboards there that I that I liked. I also like the opening to "Live to Tell." Vice vibe. Yes. Tubbs and Crockett are rolling around the corner any second now. Jan Hammer is coming up next. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) In a car that two police officers couldn't possibly afford. If only that song was on the soundtrack to Vice City, the Grand Theft Auto game. (laughs) I don't think I would ever have given it up. I used to love to fly the helicopter with Jan Hammer.
right into David Lee Roth. Yeah, that's right. Yankee Rose. <laughs> and uh, finally, in Ray of Light, you know, she's singing at the top of her register throughout most of that song. But at one point towards the end, she slides it up an octave higher. It sounds like she just walked into a fucking tiger. Like suddenly she just squeals. I don't know how she hits that. I don't know if it was manipulated or digitized in some way or what. It sounds pretty authentic, but uh, those are my top four seconds. That's cool, man. Yeah, she's just like an absolute hook monster. Yes. Like all throughout her career. Just one lavish hook after the next. Yeah, yeah. And really, the queen of all media. She's everywhere. Oh, yeah. Books, movies, acting. Uh, it's crazy. Sure. It's, it's crazy. It's so good. I think she had some TV appearances at one point, too. So, all right. Who's, Who's the, MVP? the MVP? Well, listen. So I think she would probably appreciate this. The MVP for Madonna is her balls. She just had balls. I had the exact same thing. It's the fuck you attitude. It's, uh, and I love it. And I think that's why I love her. She's just, fuck you. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> you don't yeah. like it? Go fuck yourself. I'm going to be the top-selling uh, you know, recording artist in the world. I have the exact same thing. She pushed the boundaries, and mm-hmm. she knew it. Now, I think it grew old for her. She started to shift into different roles after yeah. she had kids. And, right. and, and, and most likely, her managers and everybody are kind of like, oh, I don't know if we should do this. And she's like, fuck it. Let's do it. Like, I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. And yeah. I, I think just total control over what she wanted. Which brought the appeal to her, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or the appeal to us, to her. Uh, the appeal of her to us. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a silver-tongued devil. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm completely on board. That's, that's exactly what I had as well. You know, she established herself with that attitude as a real presence in the entertainment world, and it allowed her to build an empire, truly an empire, on oh, top yeah. of that. Forbes has her net worth listed at $550 million. I had $800 million. I saw a few different numbers, yeah. so I don't know what's right, but... Either way, she's she's worth a few shuckles. It's and- quite a you know quite a you know her humble startings where her first roommate in New York City uh, and I believe boyfriend uh, Jean Michel Basquiat, the street artist. Oh, and that's how he met um, Niles um, Niles Rogers, or she met Niles Rogers because they Jean Michel was uh, he was pretty popular in that scene, that whole Andy Warhol scene that you're always looking to get into. Right, right. Um, anyhow, that was. Just a little nugget that I missed. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, We're going to rank? Yeah. Oh, shoot. I almost forgot. We have rankings. We have rankings. All right. All right. Well, for skill and artistry, mm-hmm. she's not doing all of this on her own. There's a lot of collaboration with other songwriters and producers. You know, her musician skills are kind of muted. I have no doubt that those people were unbelievable musicians on those albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these songs highlight her and her alone, so you don't get to hear them shine. So it's a little difficult to tag some skill on on those folks. However, she calls the shots on who she works with, and if that led to the end result that's on her albums, which I fully believe they do, then I give her a four and a half. Yeah, I have her at a four and a half as well, um, as far as artistry, uh, because like you said, um, she's not a she can play a musical instrument, but her artistry is such that she is like this supernova that people just gravitate towards. You know, like sure. You, you, if you're a 
if you're a shitty person or a shitty artist or a shitty, you're not going to get those type of musicians or collaborators to work with you. She does. She gets the best in the world because she is the best in the world. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's saying a lot for her artistry. Yeah. Yeah. For her catalog, I thought her early stuff was a little bit dated, albeit it was cutting edge at the time and, and broke her out. And her progression through the years is fun to witness. You know, she yeah. starts to incorporate foreign language into her songs as, as you know, she moves into her, into her, into the nineties, obviously some Spanish ones, uh, but she also has some African languages and some Asian Indian influences. She has elements of pop and rock. Uh, I think you could argue that she kind of established a specific sound for club mixes uh, there's even some, and less in what she's singing or saying than what's being played, but there's even some hardcore rap elements I picked up in in some of the some of the uh, albums that I heard or some of the songs that I heard on, on the later albums. Very few guitars. Yes. Throughout her yeah. entire career. This is not Guitar Hero Rock. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's not a knock. It's just it's something no. that's noticeable. Yeah. That's very few, if, like, I can't even remember any in particular, but yeah. Um you're right about all of that. And and you could spend a lot of time with her catalog. Oh, yeah. And not be like, I've heard this before. It's like Duran Duran. It's like, eh, I've kind of heard this before. Yeah. When they finally polish their image uh, and their sound, it's like, mm, yeah. But you could spend a lot of time with her um, catalog from 1983 all the way till um, today and you know, not get bored. Yes. And always say, hear something different. Yeah. And she, I mean, disco was dead on the dance floor and she pumped life back into She it. did. Her and Michael Jackson, but Michael Jackson was always, he was part of that set. Right. Um, but he, she really came in and she like popped it. And then they tried to put that disco tag on and she's like, again, her balls. Like, you tag me or whatever you want. That's not me. I'm not. Right. I'm, I'm not conforming to it. Yeah. 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 So I had her at a uh, 4.7 for her catalog. Yeah. I have a 4.5 for okay. her catalog. Yeah. Cool factor? I mean, for, for me, it's a five. You can't do much better than her. Yeah. I had her at a five. I you Maybe, maybe a 4.95 for the David Letterman gap in her front teeth. Maybe. I like it. <laughs> I, like, I like it. Otherwise, yeah, a five. You, yeah. you can't do much better than Madonna. Yeah. She's, yeah, she was the best, and she meant so much to so many people. Um, and it, like, really, there's very few people that you can point to that say she changed culture. Right. Like throughout history, very few that changed culture. She's one of them. Yes, I completely agree. That's fucking cool. All right, I hope we did her justice. Yeah, so do I. Uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, thanks for listening, and uh, you know if you uh, if you send us a request on this and you think the episode is worthwhile, we'd love for you to share it on whatever social media you belong to. Uh, we'll be back at you in about a month with another episode. Uh, appreciate the adjustment to our schedule, and we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your summer, everybody. Thank you. I have to go back to school.